Welcome to New Life Miami, and thanks for listening to our podcast. We hope this word blesses you today. For more information, visit nlmiami.com. We hope to see you soon. And remember, you are Summarize here, pop. Um, we, we spoke a little bit about popcorn um, last um, weekend, and it was a special time. And we, we spoke a little bit about oil. Come on, first person, say, what does the oil all over Scripture always represent? Yeah, I'm in the back. Yes. And Marlene took the interception, and she took it. But it's Holy Spirit. And we said that many times in Scripture, when oil is mentioned, we know that it is a representative or symbolic for the Holy Spirit. And, you know, we, we mentioned it at the end of the service, and we had an amazing um, midweek service um, this Sunday. I mean, the Holy Spirit was just here in such a powerful way. And, and we mentioned it again on Wednesday. You know, if you grab a, a kernel, that popcorn kernel, and you stick it in the heat, all it's going to do is burn. It's going to just burn, and you're not going to eat it. It's not going to be good for you. It's not going to be tasteful. You're not going to like that. It's just going to burn. But what's beautiful about that kernel is that when there's oil and heat, when together, that's when it causes it to pop. And then we get that end product that is, for many of us, delicious, is it not? How many of you like it with extra butter? Yeah, yeah. How many like it like with caramel and all that other stuff too? Extra butter? All right, me too. But the truth is we get that result when there's oil and heat. And we mentioned that, that heat in Scripture is symbolic for what? Trials. Testings, Right? The Bible says what? That we go into the fire as what? We go in as gold, but we come out as what? Refined gold is how we come out of the fire. That, that fire, that the testings of life, we come out with much more value, with much more worth. But there needed to be a fire, and there needs to be an oil, and I love this connection. Ready? It's got to be the Holy Spirit in us in the midst of trials and testings producing God's glorious work. How many of you could say amen? That's what pop and the first of preparation of pop is and was all about as we looked at the first P, preparation. That's what makes us that we enter trials with the Holy Spirit and we come out transformed. How many of you have gone through a trial, through a testing and, and, and you could look at yourself now and say, I've come out of it a much better person. A few hands. Somebody like, it was opposite with me. Maybe you just got burned in the fire because you went in without the oil. So, so there's got to be the presence, the Holy Spirit in us. That's what makes us. That's what's transforming us. We've learned that. That he, the Holy Spirit, does the work of preparation in our lives. One more time. Amen. Amen. So today, if you're taking notes, write this down. We're looking at the letter O in POP. O, um, I know it says POP there, but, but it is, we've made it into an acronym. And today we're going to look at the second word, which is offering. Everyone with me say offering. offering. Good. And as I, as I get ready to get into this, I truly believe this with all my heart. And I shared this today in the morning with some of the leaders and people that were here earlier. I believe this, that everyone in here today has something, something that you can give. Every single one of us, we have something to give. And, and, and truly, that, that every single one of us is important. You've ever felt unimportant before? <laughs> okay. 
Well, the truth is, the enemy and your flesh, things just want to lie to you. Because if you really take an in-depth evaluation of who you are, you will recognize that you actually are pretty important. And if you look around you for just a second, you will recognize your importance to the people around you. Yeah? You're important. You're, you're important to others. Everyone say, I'm important to someone. And everyone say, I'm important. Here's the most important thing. I'm important to God. I know that for a fact that you're important to God. Because I think some of you guys are important to me. But, but I, would, I wouldn't offer up my son for any of you. I would not. And, and I love you and all that. And don't, don't misinterpret that. But it's gonna, it'll be very hard for me to say yes. Sacrifice and offer my son so that you can live. You're important. But I'm going to be very honest. In my heart, I just feel like my son is much more important. Anyone with me? Any parents with me? You kind of know what I'm talking about? Well, well, God doesn't think like that. God's, God's understanding and God's ways are not our ways and our understanding. God says, you're so important that I give you what is the most important thing to me. I give you my son. How many of you could, could praise God for that? You could give him some praise. So don't believe that. Everyone here is important. If you're taking notes, I want to encourage you today. And I want you to write this down on your notes. I'm important. I am important. Don't believe that you don't have what it takes. Don't believe that you're not qualified, that you're not important, or that it's impossible. Don't believe that for once. I'm going to tell you why. Because look what Colossians says. Colossians 1.12 says, giving thanks to the Father. Watch this. Unqualified people, watch this. Who has what? So yes, though we felt at times and though we've seen that, yes, we are unqualified. But if you are in Christ now, you get to say what? When I once was unqualified in Christ now, today I find myself as what? Qualified. The Father who has qualified. I'm going to make it personal, okay, for me. For me, qualified me to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in the, the light. I have an inheritance. He's qualified me. Look at this verse. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, of verse 18 says it like this. Now all things are of God who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus. And he's given us the ministry of reconciliation. So I, I read these verses, and there are so many more that I could have gone to. And, and, and I get this, and I say this, man, I have something to offer. I have something to give that God through his son Jesus Christ, listen now, has qualified us, has called us important, so important that you now are a son of God. I think sometimes we get so churchy that we forget what that phrase means. Like, I don't, I'll tell you why. When I say so important that we are sons of God, right there, there should have been an eruption and tears should have been flowing from our eyes. Because do you understand what it means to be a son of the God that created the, 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 the universe from beginning to end, from depth to width to Sons of God were so important to him. Just, just try to fathom that. We're, 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 he's qualified us so much that Jesus even tells us that what? That all things are possible with what? With God. Jesus' own words. How many of you have ever felt, oh, it's just impossible? How many of you felt that? Whatever it is, it's impossible. Anyone? Two people have felt it's impossible. Watch this. Jesus steps into the scene and says, Nothing 
is impossible with God. Like Jesus really meant it. Nothing is impossible. So I say this to us, church, that you have something to give. You have something to offer. Because I get it through Colossians and in Corinthians, what Paul writes here. Because God first gave and God first offered his best for us. You should write that. You should know that. That God gave and God offered his best for us. So in return, guess what we do? Anyone want to take a a shot at it? Because God offered his best for us. What do we do now in return? We offer our best, our all. To what? To God. To God. To God. How can we not give our lives, our best, to the one who has given his best for us? Look what Charles Spurgeon Spurgeon was Spurgeon was would preach so hard at times that they say that in his pews, under the under the pews, you would see the the formation of the nails from when he would preach. The people would grip the the seats of his of the pews so tightly that they would leave nail marks of how intense Charles Spurgeon was in his preaching. One of the best preachers of all time, they call Charles Spurgeon. The fathers of the father of preachers. But whatever, look what he says. In all of my years of service to my Lord. I've discovered a truth that has never failed and has never been compromised. And that truth is that it is beyond the realm of possibilities that one has the ability to outgive God. That even if I give the whole of my worth to him, he will find a way to give back to me much more than I can give. How many of you can say amen? That's wild, man. I I love this, and it's so true that we serve a God that has offered all of himself to us, for us. That Christ, the greatest, the ultimate sacrifice that was offered up on the altar of Calvary was offered up, as Isaiah puts it, ready? As a lamb led to the slaughter. Let that ring a bell. Let that really poke at your heart. As a lamb led to the slaughter. For what? Why was Christ led as a lamb to the slaughter? Here it is, ready? For us. On our behalf, for us. And I actually wrote this on my notes. Talk about preparation. Talk about offering. We're not doing anything that wasn't done first for us. It was done first for us. Scripture, I mean, God offered his best for us. A scripture that we never, ever get tired of hearing here at New Life is this one, Romans 12.1. I've preached it. Tito came up and he preached it for two weeks. And Paul writes, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God... That you present your bodies, everyone say that part with me, ready? As a what? Yeah. Like, that's, that's harsh, man. That's, that's some strong stuff to do there. As a living sacrifice. Well, what does that look like? What does, what does a living sacrifice look like? Oh, well, comma. Holy. Acceptable. That's your spiritual worship. That's your reasonable service. I love how the message puts it. I'm, we're going to put it up in the message translation. Watch this. So here's what I want you to do. You, you've probably heard me share this from the message translation before. God is helping you. God helping you. Sorry. Take your everyday, ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work, walking around life, and place it before God as and what, church? As an offering. Embracing. Embracing what, what God does for us. What God does for you, 
That is the best thing, the best thing that you can what? Do for him. Amazing. We understand, hopefully, right? We get this, hopefully, right? That our lives given fully for his service. That, that all of me, guys, really listen to this. All of me is the greatest thing that I could give to him. What's the greatest thing from the back to the front? What's the greatest thing that you could give to God? Come on, someone shout it. We're a family today. All of us. All of our being. How many of you are just emotional people? Emotional wrecks. Emotionally stable. All of you. Physicality, spirituality, emotionally. All of you. The best thing that you could do is give what? All of you. To who? To God. To God. To God. In Proverbs eleven twenty four, it says, one gives freely. He grows all the richer. Another withholds what he should give. And he only suffers want. That's a powerful verse. I don't want to not give to the Lord and suffer want. I've recognized that my reward, I've recognized that where my true joy, where my, where my fullness is found is when I give myself freely to the one. And in giving myself freely, I will grow richer. How many of you have experienced that in your faith? That when you hold back from God, you still don't experience the things that you know God has for you. There's still things lacking. But when you've got into a place where you've given freely to God all of your being, you then grow much richer. How many? And I'm not talking about like, yo, you got like $20,000 in your bank account richer. No, no. I'm talking about a much more deeper richer than what money can buy. How many of you from giving all of your life have experienced the richness that is found in Christ Jesus our Lord? Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. So then don't go back for not giving all of your being. Don't go back. I want to share a passage with you before we get into the meat of the message today. Today's message is going to be straight to the point. I'm not going to take too much time. I'm just going to get straight to it and, and, and see what the Lord does. But watch this. In Exodus 25, I'm going to read nine verses before I jump into my main passage. God is speaking to Moses. In Exodus 25, 1 through 9, if you're taking notes, Exodus 25, 1 through 9. And pretty much what's happening here, the, this passage, it's pretty much um, it's time to build the Lord's house. And as it's time to build the Lord's house, the Lord, um, the Lord tells Moses there's some things that need to be set aside. I love, I love the word set aside used here because set aside means holiness. So there needs to be some things that are set apart, that are holy offerings to me. Did everyone say holy offering to me? Right, do you remember Romans 12, 1? That you would be a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God? Learn that. Because in Exodus 25, 1 through 9, he says to Moses, I need you to speak to the children of Israel. They need to set apart. They need to offer up some things holy unto me. Let's read it. It says this, ready? 
So God says to Moses, tell the Israelites that they are to, there it is, set aside, set apart offerings for me. Receive the offerings from everyone who is willing to give. These are the offerings that I want. And he goes into it, right? I want you to receive from them gold, silver, bronze, blue, purple, scarlet material, fine linen, goat's hair, tanned ram skins, dolphin skins. Man, that's crazy. I don't think I've ever recognized that it said dolphin skins on there. I mean, it goes into all these things, right? Lamps and oils and spices and fragrances, stones. And then he says this, and let them construct a sanctuary for me. Let them build a house for me. How many of you know that you are building a house for the Lord? Where, where is it? Don't, you better not point at us. It's, it's not the walls here. The house that you're building for the Lord. Watch this. Look at the mirror. It's you yourself. It's, you're building up yourself. You are the temple of the living God. The first, watch, we're going to build a house here called New Life. But before we'll ever build a house together, there's got to be what? A house that is being built first personally within me. So, so God wants to build this sanctuary. I get that because in the New Testament, he says that that sanctuary, the Holy Spirit dwells in it. The oil dwells in it. Remember the oil last week? So look what he continues to say. I'm going to construct a sanctuary for me. Do that so that I can... So that I can live among them. Like, do you not want to, forget that. Do you not want God to live among you? Do, you? do we not want to be a people that we could say what? How is it today? How is it today? God lives with me. That, that whatever I'm experiencing, whatever I'm going through, whatever is testing me, whatever is rising, whatever is falling on its knees, whatever that I face, I know that I face it with God living in me. I'm a sanctuary and God dwells in it. Oh. Uh, I'm a tent. Not made by hands, but by the Spirit of God. Ah. Uh, I live on this earth while God lives in me. And one day that which lives in me will, will, will hear a shout from heaven to say, Son, come up home. And the spirit that's in me, that was in my Savior Jesus, will rise me up to be with him. So, so here's God and he says, I want to live among them. So you are to construct it. You are to build it, following the plans I've given you. I love that. There's preparation involved in this verse. There's offering involved in this verse. Says, and there's presence involved in these verses. There's pop. Pop is all over this passage. Prepare, give offering, and watch my presence dwell. <laughs> Come on, church. Prepare. Let the Holy Spirit do that work in you already. Come on, church. Offer yourselves completely to him already. And, and, and watch, watch. Next week, next week, learn to live forever in presence. You want to pop? You want to pop? You got to let the Holy Spirit live in you and prepare you. You want to pop? You got to become a what? A what? An offering. Set apart, holy unto God. How many of us want to live in? Nah. I don't want to live in presence. I think I'm going to change it. How many of us want presence to live in us. I want his presence. And God's like, oh, cool. Then I want your preparation. And I want your offering. 
Construct it following the plans, the preparations I've given you, the design for the dwelling, and the design for all of its furnishings. I want to build and I want to dwell in you, but I need a what? I need a, I need an offering. I need what, what you can what? I need what you can give. I'm going to ask you another question, and I'm, and I'm going to repeat it. Repetition is so important. And what is the greatest thing that you could give to God? All of your being. All of your being. Oh, God, let this be us, Lord. I was blessed by a message this week, and I want to share the passage. And I really hope that everything that I've just said really hits home right now with what I'm about to share with you. If you could open up your Bibles to 2 Kings chapter 4. We're going to read verses 1 through 7 together and get ready. Just receive from the Lord. And I believe this. Uh, Let's read this. Um, Once you're there, chapter 4, verses 1 through 7. Can you give me an amen once you get there? Hallelujah. 2 Kings 4, 1 through 7. You with me? It's going to talk about Elisha. Let's get into this. Verses 1 all the way down to 7. 2 Kings 4. It says, A certain woman of the wives of the sons of the prophets cried out to Elisha and saying, Your servant, my husband, is dead. And you know that your servant feared the Lord and the creditor is coming to take my sons to be his slaves. Verse 2 says, So Elisha said to her, What shall I do for you? Can everyone say, What shall I do for you? Yeah. Some of you guys are not saying it. You're going to get bad grades today. Tell me, look what he says next. What do you have in the house? Everyone say, what do I have in my house? So she said, back to Elisha, asking these questions. Your maidservant has nothing in the house but a jar of oil. Did you guys catch that? She, she started off the sentence with, I don't have what? I don't have anything. There's nothing in my house. Oh, but a what? Well, let's talk. What's happening to this lady? I don't have, there, there's nothing in my house but a jar of oil. What is she already confessing? Holy Spirit? What is she confessing? Um, let's, let's go again. What shall I do for you? What do you have in your house? Nothing but a jar of oil. What is, she, what is she saying already? That it's nothing. What? God is not enough? I heard someone else. Do you see her already mentally? She's already defeated and confessing that whatever it is that I do have, it is never enough for what I need. See, you asked me what do I have in my house, Elisha. And the answer that I could give you is actually, the first one is, is nothing. Because if she felt what she had in her house was just enough and just right, she would have leaped out of that question and said, what do you have in your house? I have a jar and some oil. That's what I have. But she doesn't do that. Her, her first answer, the first part of her answer is nothing. 
but a jar and oil in it. I would have loved to have been there. Because I would have looked at that lady in the face and said, you remind me so much of me. And then I would have just looked to look at Elisha and said, I would love to see his face as he stares at that woman. And almost repeat what Jesus would repeat in the New Testament. Oh, 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 you of little faith. You of little faith. Can I ask you guys a question for a moment? What do you have in your house? I want you to answer that for yourself today. I want you to answer that. I want you to answer that. You, you can't give up on stuff. You, you cannot just come in and not give. You, some of you guys are sitting next to the, probably one of the most important people that you need to pour into. And you think you're done. Who in the world said you're done? You better go back home and look through the cabinets. Look under the kitchen. Sink. And try to see if there's at least one jar that has oil in it. And if you could find one jar with oil in it, you can be surprised of what God can do with just one jar with some oil in it. See, because, amen, you could give God some praise. You see, you can't produce that what only the supernatural can produce for you. There's no way that I could produce, listen, I could produce a show and I could produce a fake and I could produce a mockery. I could produce a, um, a stage performance. That's easy to do. A lot of people do that stuff. Smoke, glitter, lights, and show. But you cannot fabricate the work, the power, and the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Man, September 18th is an important day for us. It's going to be like a show. There's going to be lights. There's going to be glamour. It's going to be amazing what you're going to see on September 18th. But I'm going to tell you something right now. That don't get caught up in all of that stuff without first getting caught up in the presence and in the spirit of God. The most important thing in our lives and us as a people is what? What do you have in your house? You better not say, well, I got some dope lights and I got some cool planning and I got some crazy stuff and I got some awesome performance. And I got, but you better say, man, I got a jar. And if one jar is enough, let me tell you what lives in that jar. There is oil in that jar and there is Holy Spirit that fills up that jar. And if it's just one jar with oil in it, I'm telling you that that oil in that one jar can bring forth a multiplication of the abundance of God's supernatural work that you would be amazed that just what a jar and some oil can do. I know that there are many people in many churches and walking around declaring to be Christians and they say their vessels and their jars, but there's not a drip. There's not a little spot of oil in them. We're different. We are vessels of honor filled with oil. What do you have in your house? I got a jar and it's got oil in it and that's enough. <laughs> what do you have in your house? Come on. Stop saying nothing already. 
Stop saying nothing. Stop it. What do you have in your house? A jar with what? It's got oil in it. That, that should have been the answer. What do you have in your house? A jar with oil. Not, what do you have in your house? Nothing but some oil in a jar. She should have never said nothing. She should have said something. Oil in a jar. Man, there's so much things I want to say. What can, what can I do for you? Tell me what you have in your house. I, I love the first question because it's almost like he's saying, sorry, I, I can't help you. So he goes on to a second question. So tell me what you have in your house. Did you, did you see that? Hmm. There, there's nothing that I, Elisha, and the man of God can do for you, but I'm telling you something. What you need for yourself is probably already found back at your house. So why don't you go back home and stop looking for men where you want the supernatural to do when what you need is to get back into your house, get back into the presence, get back into that stuff and figure out what you have at home. Come on. Some of us need to stop shopping outside of home and recognizing that what God has given you in your house, in the sanctuary, in this temple might just be enough for what he wants to do in you. Well, I was hoping I could have a meeting with you and that you could sprinkle some dust on me and then I could become something greater. Who the heck says that's ever going to work? Elisha's like, what do you want me to do for you? The reality is, what do you want this church to do for you? And what do you want me to do for you? And what do you want each other to do for yourselves? It's all going to fall short. The question is, what do you have at home? Well, because right what you have at home might just be enough for what you need for your marriage, for what you need for your children, for what you need in your life, for what you need at your workplace, for what you need to serve here in this ministry. What you have at home might be exactly what you're looking for in someone else. And it's sitting at home just smiling at you every day. What do you have at home? What, what do you have at your house? That's the second question that he, that he gives her. And, and I get it. I get what he's saying. Have you considered that? That what you need is already provided. You could write that. That you, what you need has already been provided. Remember the quote from Spurgeon? What you need has already been provided. You're looking elsewhere for something that you already have at your house. What do you have in your house? Write this down in your notes. I have something to give. You have something to offer. The woman says, I have nothing but some jar of oil in it and oil in it. And Elijah's response, if you, he doesn't say it in, in the physical here right off the bat. But did you catch it? Did you catch it? Let's read for a moment. Ready? So Elisha says, what shall I do for you? Tell me, what do you have in your house? And she said, your maidservant has, has nothing but in the house but a jar of oil. T tell me what Eli Elisha says. Ready? Then he said what? Oh, go. Go ahead and get some other vessels from everywhere, from all of your neighbors, empty vessels. How many vessels? What's in the vessels? Empty vessels. Go grab other things, empty vessels. And look what he says. And do not gather just a few. Gather a lot. And when you've come in, you will shut the door behind you and your sons. And you will pour it into all of those vessels. And you will set, man, you will set aside the full ones. So, so she went from him. 
from him and shut the door behind her and her sons who brought the vessels to her. I love that what she was most worried about, her sons being taken from her because she didn't have no more money to pay because her son died. In those days, a creditor would come and they would take your children as slaves until all the debt was paid. So she's like, I, I need something. I love that. I love that the disciples lack faith and Jesus had told them, go pick up the leftovers. And 12 men had to pick up 12 baskets. And I love that the sons who are going to be given up as slaves are the same sons that had to walk in with vessels that they're about to get poured with just oil in a jar. <laughs> and so they brought the vessels and she, she what? What did she do? Anyone want to take a shot at reading it? She poured it out. What, what, first, let's stop. What did Elisha tell her? I have nothing but some oil in a jar. Did anyone catch what Elisha said to her? Anyone? Huh? Go, go. Uh, this is what I wrote. Ready? That'll work. I, I just got some oil in a jar, and Elisha's like, that'll work. Why don't you do me a favor? Get some other vessels, and watch, watch what that oil in your jar can do to the oil, to the jars, their jars. Don't get just a few. Get all the vessels, get all the jars that you can get. Notice, no, notice, he never told her to grab more oil. All he told her was to get more Sanctuaries. New Life, what are we doing? Seriously, what are we doing September 18th and going forward? What are we doing? Let's go get some vessels. Let's go get some jars. Let's go get some jars. What do you have in your house? Let's go get some jars. What do you have in your house? Well, if you say nothing, then no jars are going to come in. But if you could say, well, I just have a jar with some oil in it, just like Elisha, I'm going to look at you and say, well, that'll work. Go outside and grab all the vessels and grab all the jars you can, and you will see that what your vessel holds, that oil will be just enough to fill all the other containers that will walk into this place. You want to see this place erupt? Go grab some vessels and pour the Holy Spirit over those vessels. <laughs> You grab them over here and you'll be contagious with the work of the Holy Spirit that's working inside of you and you will see some lives be transformed. You want to see revival? Here's the revival. What is it that she did? She began to what? Pour out. Do you, have you ever studied the scriptures? God never uses a lazy person. Every time when Christ was walking, what was he doing? He started to pick what? Disciples that were all doing what? They were all working. Every single one of the disciples were working when God picked them. I'm telling you right now, all throughout scripture, when God called Gideon, what was Gideon doing in the press field? He was working. I'm telling you that you might be working, and you might be pushing, and you might be trying to go forward, and you might, and you're frustrated, and you haven't seen anything yet. Well, you keep on working. You keep on pushing. You keep on stomping. You keep on fishing. You keep whatever you're doing, because I know for a fact that all over the word of God, God blesses those who work, and I love that she's there she sees that there's a word from the lord grab your vessel with oil and what does she do right off the bat she begins to pour out from that vessel of hers 
That'll work. That's all you got? Everyone say, that'll work. But that'll work only if you will work. What do you mean? There's oil in a jar, but that oil needed to be what? Poured out. That'll work if you will work. I don't know if you guys understand that yet. I'll come down to you if you want. But that'll work. Some oil in a jar, that will work if you will work. We're planning, we're setting vision, we're going forward. We want you guys to be here. We want you guys to be part of my goal, my vision, my objective, my, my prayer is that 100% of our church is involved in what we do here. That all of us are serving. What do you mean by serving? Here it is, ready? That all of us are pouring out. Pouring out what? Oil that's in your what? What do you have in your house? Don't come to church next Sunday and say nothing. You come to next church Sunday dressed, brush your teeth, brush your hair, comb it, get over here, get over here and say, come on, I'm ready to pour out because there's what? There's some oil in my jar. It'll work if I put it to work. It'll work. That'll work if you will work. Have you noticed that nothing works unless you work? You can't pay for the mortgage of your house. By just sitting at home. Bills, you will receive the rewards through the labor. You got to put things to work so that you can receive the payment that will be given to you. We preached a long time ago. There's a line outside. None of us are called to be lazy Christians. All of us are called to do what? Something, pour out something with what God has given me. Tito comes up here and he sings beautiful. I use the word beautiful. He plays the guitar, and then sometimes he drops the guitar, and he grabs the saxophone. And like, how the heck does he do that? <laughs> but he comes. And his jar with oil in it is able to do something that God has provided for him that my jar with oil is not able to do. Because God has given us all different functions and all different anointings. So Tito comes up here, he strings that guitar, he begins to sing, and you're just like, wow. And then he grabs a sax, and like, huh, wow, again, more, how does that? And then I just come up and like, well, what do you have to give? I'm just going to preach. I'm just going to sing and play an instrument. And then Rudy is here. And Rudy, what do you have in your house? And there's so much. But God uses Rudy even in things like technology. Rudy, I'm so frustrated. I'm about to punch my screen. Rudy will come to the rescue and save my technological, my, I mean, the tech demons. And, and that'll work in the house of the Lord. And Lou maybe can come up here and, and preach a 30-minute message with 20 points and floor you. Maybe he will, but maybe he can't. But he could do a video that will give you chills and the Holy Spirit will fall on you just by a video. And, 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 and someone else can, 
I mean, do you understand what I'm trying to say? People ask me, well, how come your wife doesn't preach? Right, but have you seen what she does back there, how she sacrifices for your children every day? What I'm trying to tell you is, what do you have at your house? Because what I believe is, see, you come into this church and there's a crazy bald man and he's handing everyone waters. I'm not able to do that. Because he's been given that anointing and that gift. For him, it triggers him to give you a bottle of water and ask you, what do you need today? It triggers him. It makes him alive. For me, it burdens me. It will stress me out. Because I wasn't anointed and gifted to do that. What I mean is, what do you have in your house? Because every single one of you putting in the work, I'm going to tell you right now, that will work. What do you have in your house? I got some oil in a jar. Put me to work. I'm ready to pour out. What am I really saying? Have you guys read between the lines already? Pastor, I get it. I'm ready to be a what? A living sacrifice and offering unto the Lord to bless him and to bless others. Paul at the end of his life tells Timothy, I've given myself as a drink offering. This is amazing scripture. This is, this is an amazing truth. What do you have in your house? I believe this with all my heart. You have, we have, everyone in here has something to offer. And Elisha, Elisha and this woman is an amazing story of teaching us that that's perfect. That's exactly what God will use and God will work. Not to be lazy with what God's given us, but, but that we would put it and pour out to the Lord and to others. And in verse 5, that's exactly what she does. She pours it out. And do you know what happens because of the faithfulness of her pouring out that which she has at her house? Can everyone put their eyes on verse 7 with me? Look at the end result. Ready? Verse 7. Well, we'll go to 6 and 7. Now it came to pass when the vessels were full that she said to her son, bring me another vessel. And he said to her, there is not another vessel. So the oil ceased. And verse 7 says what? Then she came and told the man of God. And he said, go sell the oil. Pay your what? And you and your sons will live. Will live on the rest. So not only is there enough for now, but there is enough even for the future. I want you to get this. The supernatural, it all worked itself out, but it all started because of her faithfulness to even work it out. Oh, it's in me already. I might as well now what? Pour this to others. <laughs> the, the jar has oil. I recognize now. Hey, hey, come here. Do you think that this lady would have ever would ever answer that question again? The same? Hey, what do you have in your house? You think she'll ever say nothing again? Shoot, she probably started an oil market and started distributing oil to everyone. <laughs> this stuff works out pretty good. I want you to recognize this because, because I bet you that her life was rocked forever. I, I bet you. And I bet you that your life will be rocked forever when you recognize that what you have that God has already given you might just be enough. It'll work. Just pour it out. Put it to work. And watch the end result. Watch the multiplication. Watch the supernatural growth. And watch God be glorified. And you just say, wow, look what God has done. It'll work for sure. What do you have in your house? Forget nothing. I'm good. I got some oil in a jar, and that's going to work out great. Look around this room for a moment. Look around. There's many 
jars, many vessels in this place today. And here is my message to you today. You're in this place and you're reading this passage with me and maybe you have felt for a while already that you have nothing but some oil in a jar and now God's calling you to live as an offering to place yourself on an altar that it's going to work out if you put it to work and that the Lord will bring a result and that we're going to even talk about deeper next week about presence I love what Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 2.9 that, that no eye has seen, nor ear has heard, no mind has even imagined what God has what? Prepared. You see how God does a preparation? Prepared for those who love him. I see it, that, that God has prepared something for those who love him. And if you're here today and you love God, I'm going to ask you this question today. What do you have in your house? You better not say nothing. You better recognize that there might just be a jar with oil in it, and that is just enough. And I believe this, that what he has pee, everyone say pee. Right, everyone say pee. All right, whatever. Prepared. I believe that what he has pee prepared for those who live oh, everyone say oh. Yeah, those who live offered, offering up to him is a life of continual, there's the other P, of continual presence. That, that if, man, that he is preparing, if we live offered up, a life of continual presence. Pop. That, that I be the offering that lets the whole being bring glory to the Lord. I recognize today that I have something to give. And I pray that everyone here recognizes that you have something to give. And maybe you're here and you thought, well, I didn't think I had enough. And, I say, and it's not much and it's of no worth and I'm unqualified and it's impossible. And God just switched it all up around on you. And he says, just some oil in a jar, that's just enough for me to work some glorious things. Some glorious things. Do not raise your hand. But I'm sure that if I ask you this question, how many of you walked in? And you walked in with a mentality that you have nothing to give today. And God just smiled down at you today with a smile that only Christ can give. And says, just when you thought you had nothing, I'm showing you that what you have is more than enough. That's awesome. How many of you could give God some praise for that? If you're ready to work, that'll work. September 18th, we want all of you to be here with the mentality of, hey, I went home. And I searched. And I found a, a jar with oil. What do you want me to do? I'm ready to serve God. I'm ready to serve others. Where can I pour out? Who can I pour into? Come on, plug me in. It'll work. How many of you is God speaking to today? That what you have, it'll work. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 20 to 21. Here's everything I'm speaking to you about. I'm going to get ready to end in five minutes. Here it is. Now in a great house, there are not only vessels of gold and silver, but also of wood and clay. There are some vessels for what? 
honorable use. Everyone see that? And then there are some vessels for what? Dishonorable. So therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from what is dishonorable, he will be a vessel for honorable use. Set apart, Romans 12.1, as holy, useful to the master of the house, ready for what? Every good work. It'll work. And you'll be able to work. I look at this passage and I look at our church and I look at you individually and at our church as a whole. And I say this, and I say this proudly, I believe this, and I wonder if anyone here believes this with me. This is a great house. This is a great house. How many of you could say that this is a great house? But each of us, with our jars of oil, we get this now. It's all for the master of the house. Ready for every good work. Useful in his hands. A great house. Let us be vessels. Let us, what scripture says here in 2 Timothy 20 and 21. Let us be vessels of honor. Jars of honor. What's a jar of honor? Cleansed and set apart and useful. When I read that, I say, man, this sounds a lot like offering and a living sacrifice to me. So I read 2 Timothy 2, 20, 21. I said, Lord, I want to be useful. And that starts with a discipline in preparation and a life given as an offering. So if you're here and you just say, well, I'm just an, an oil in a jar. I tell you today then, that as we close, oil in a jar, as we close, I say this to you, then you have what it takes. The Holy Spirit is in you. That's the oil, if you haven't caught it yet. If the Holy Spirit is in you, you are now placed, what does 2 Timothy say? In the hands of the what? Of the what? Of the master of the house. You know what that means when I read that? Then there's no failure. There's but one obvious result, and it is usefulness. Look, what, look at 2 Timothy. Just leave it up there. Look what 2 Timothy 20 and 21 says. Useful. Useful in the hands of the master. And Lord, I want to be useful. And, and, and I want that in my life. I, I'm not just oil in a jar. I, I actually have what it takes. The, the Holy Spirit, I'm placed in your hands. I see that here in this passage. There's no failure. There, there's this one result here. And here it is, usefulness. I will be successful in your life. I'm going to tell you this very honestly. We then will be successful. You know why we are successful? Because we're just what? We're just vessels in the hands of God. I dare you. I dare you to try to take me out of the hands of God. I dare you. You know what the Bible says? You know what the Bible says? That if you try to come and take me from the hands of God, it is better for you put a rope with a rock around your neck and throw yourself in the water and drown yourself before you ever try to do something to a son of God. You are useful. You are something special in the hands of I dare you to take some, I dare someone to take you out of the hands of God. It's better for them. 
better for them to do something else. I want everyone to say this within their heart, within their spirit today, and really mean this as we close. Ready? I want you to say this. I have something to give. I want you to really mean that. I have an offering. I, I have oil in a jar. It's good. I'm going to end with this scripture real quick. 2 Corinthians 9, 7. I'm going to read from the message right now. And it says this. Look at this, guys. I want each of you to take plenty of time to think it over. Right? Isn't that the perfect verse to end with? Just think it all over. But I'm, but I'm, like, I don't know what else to tell you guys. I got to go and I think we got something with the family now. So I got I to gotta leave now in a little bit. So I can't tell you anything else. Just think it over what I'm telling you. And make up your own mind already. Love this. Look at the next part. What will you give? Just make it up already. Make up your mind already. There's no way you're satisfied receiving and not giving. You'll feel alive if you give. Come here and start giving. Give. Come over here and start giving. And forget that. Even outside these walls, start giving. Live Live pouring out. And look what it says next. That will protect you against soft stories. And arm twisting. God loves it. When the giver delights. When the giver delights in the giving. You know when someone is giving unto the Lord. And it's no longer. It's no longer a blessing. It's no longer a delight. It's because there's something wrong within them. There's something wrong with their heart. There's something wrong in and the reason behind their service. There should be a delight in you giving yourself, giving yourselves, your, your whole being, and with your talents, and with your gifts. When you give it to the Lord, there should be delight. That's what makes you alive. I'm going to ask you to stand with me. And as we close up the service today, or the message today, and I ask you that question of, what do you have in your house? I pray that that question now totally means something different to you. I pray that you recognize that what you have at home might just be enough for God to do what he wants to do with you. So if you just have a jar with some oil in it, come and bring that jar with oil and watch how many more jars God can fill with that same oil that lives in you. You see, you don't got to multiply the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit's already multiplied. That's why he's here, he's over there, and he's everywhere all at the same time. Why? Because he's just oil poured out in jars. You can't limit that. He is, he's the Holy Spirit, meaning he's God. His presence is everywhere. He's capable of being everywhere. So that's special to me because that means that what I have Others who are empty could share in the same delight. They could have what we have. Are you willing? Are you willing to put it to work? That'll work if you will work. So I end one more time. What do you have in your house? Come on, let's go home. Let's go home. Let's search. I have something. I got oil. I got oil in this. 
I got oil in this jar. And church, all I could say is, good job. That'll work. Man, God, you are good. The fountain I drew from.